Technology Tap. I'm Professor J Rod. On this episode, Security Plus Definitions Part 2. Let's get to it. All right. All right. Before we start the security plus uh, definitions, let's do a little housekeeping as always. Remember, this Thursday, July 21st at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I will be running another Zoom session Q&A on A plus questions. So we'll spend about 40 minutes rapid fire. Uh, you know, I post A plus questions. You give me the answers. We break them down, right? I think last time I did like 12. So, you know, let's, if you want to join us, it's free. Go to my website, professorjrod.com. Look for the Zoom tab and click on the Zoom link on Thursday, July 21st at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I know I have some folks out in Europe. Uh, if you want me to do a special session for you guys, like earlier in the day, you got to email me, professorjrod at gmail.com. And, and I'm more than happy to do it. But you got to email me because I have to, you know, I don't want to do it and then nobody shows up. So if you email me, you know, if I get enough people, I'll more than happy to do it. All right. On this podcast, we're going to talk about risk terminologies as some people said I was going through a reddit board this week and there were people saying that security plus is more like a definitions exam and a lot of memorization and I I would say like I half agree right I think 50% of the exam is like that there's a lot of terminology that you have to learn so let's get to it so Risk terminology, the first one is asset, anything within an environment that should be protected, like data, people, right, the server room, stuff like that. Uh, companies are going to tell you that people are their number one asset, but it's not. It's data. Uh, asset valu uh, valuation, uh, dollar value assigned to an asset based on actual costs and monetary and non-monetary expenses, threats, any potential occurrence that may harm the asset. Threat agents are usually people, but also programs, hardwares, and systems. Threat events and vectors. Threat events are accidental occurrence and intentional exploitation of vulnerabilities. And also could be uh, natural or man-made. A threat vector or an attack vector is the path or means by which an attacker or an attacker can gain access to a target in order to cause harm. 
vulnerabilities, the weakness in an asset or the absence or the weakness of a safeguard or countermeasure that can be exploited. If it's exploited, loss or damage to assets can occur. Exposure, actual or anticipated damage from a threat. Risk, the probability of a threat exploiting a vulnerability. So risk equals threat multiplied by vulnerability. Safeguards, countermeasures, anything that removes or reduces a vulnerability or protects against one or more specific threats. Installing a security patch, making a config change, etc. Attack, the threat exploiting the vulnerability. And breach, the occurrence of a security mechanism being bypassed or thwarted by a threat agency or threat agent. So basically it goes like this, assets, people, data, technology, reputation, endangered by threats, some source of danger, exploited by vulnerabilities, weaknesses, leading to exposure or potential loss, resulting in risk, likelihood of harm to assets, which can be mitigated by safeguards or countermeasures which protect the assets. So it kind of goes around in a square, right? Risk identification, you have your internal risk, risks that are produced by non-human source and are beyond human control, like the weather. Internal risk, management processes, processes of identifying risk and rating the likelihood and impact of a risk event. Multi-party risk, likelihood that your organization would experience an adverse event, uh, like data breach, operational dis disruption or reputational damage, when you choose to outsource certain services or use software built by third party to accomplish certain tasks. Legacy system is outdated uh, computer software or hardware that is still in use, but it's older technology won't allow it to interact with newer ones and you, so you're still using it, which you really shouldn't. Int uh, intellectual property theft risk, one, when someone steals an idea, creative expression or invention from individual or a company, uh, software compliance licensing risk, the process of ensuring that your company is only using software it is authorized to use. Don't be putting any downloadable stuff in your company's computers. You know, they they risk a healthy, healthy find if you're putting in software that's, you know, bootleg. All right, risk calculation, likelihood is the probability a risk would occur. Impact is the magnitude of the risk if it does occur. Risk severity equals likelihood multiplied by impact. Risk assessment, you have quantitative risk assessments using a numeric data and analysis resulting in assessments that allow the very straightforward parallelization of risk and qualitative risk assessment substitutes subjective judgments and categories for strict numerical analysis, allowing the assets of risk that are difficult to quantify. Uh, quantitative risk assessments come into play when we have an ability to map a dollar amount to a specific risk. Asset value is the dollar value of an asset. The exposure factor is the percentage of loss that an organization would experience if a specific asset is compromised. And single loss expectancy costs associated with a single realized risk against a specific asset. So an example of that 
will be the following. Oh, wait, I still have a couple more. Uh, annual rate of current, expected frequency for which a specific threat or risk would occur within a single year. And annual loss expectancy is the possible yearly cost of all instances of a specific, of a, a realized threat against a specific asset. So the annual loss expectancy is equal to the single loss expectancy multiplied by the annual rate of occurrence or the asset value multiplied by exposure factor multiplied by the annual rate of occurrence. Now this gets tricky when you're taking the CompTIA exam. I'm gonna show you two examples. Example one, server generates $10,000 per hour. The probability of the server failing during the year is estimated to be 25%. Our failure will lead to eight hours of downtime and cost $1,500 in components to correct. What is the annual loss expectancy? So the single loss expectancy is the $10,000 per hour, per eight hours, plus the $1,500 in parts, which will give you $81,500. So it's estimated that it's gonna happen 25%. So it's 81,500 multiply 25%, which gives you 20,375. Right, that's your answer. That's the ALE, annual loss expectancy. Now, example two is server generates a million dollars a year. The exposure factor is 25%. The probability of the server failing during two years is estimated to be 15%. So what is the ALE? You first look at SLE, a million dollars times 25%, that's the exposure factor, gives you $250,000. Annual rate of occurrence is 15%, so it's 250,000 times 15%, which will give you 37,500. But that's not the answer, because it says the probability of the server failing during two years. So you gotta divide it by two. So your answer is 18,750. That's the way they'll phrase it in the exam. They won't give you a softball like example one that I gave you. They're more likely going to give you like I just gave you an example two. So be on the lookout for that in the exam. When you have a qualitative risk assessment, so you kind of figure it like a two two charts, right? Like a like columns and rows, right? Uh, one side is magnitude and the bottom side is probability. And then you have it on low, medium, and high. So something like guest user retains network access, the probability is low, and the magnitude is low. But stolen unencrypted device via spear phishing, that's high. The magnitude is high and the probability is high, right? Because spear phishing is something that happens all the time. So that's a two examples of qualitative risk assessment. And we have risk, register, and supply chain. A risk register is a comprehensive document listing known information about risk. 
It typically includes risk scores along with recommended security controls to reduce the risk scores. Supply chain assessments evaluates everything needed to produce and sell a product. It includes all the raw materials and processes required to create and distribute a finished product. Managing risk, you have your risk avoidance. Involves identifying a risk and making the decision to no longer engage in actions associated with that risk. I have Windows 7. That's a risk. I decide I'm going to upgrade to Windows 11, right? Risk avoidance. Risk transference, sharing some of the burden of the risk with somebody else, like insurance, right? When you're driving in the car, you're doing risk transference. Risk mitigation, accomplish any time. Steps are taken to reduce risk. You install antivirus. Risk deterrence uh, involves understanding something about the enemy and letting them know harm can come their way if they cause harm to you, if you threaten to sue them. And risk assessment uh, acceptance, often the choice you must make when the cost of implementing any of the other four choices exceeds the value of the harm that would occur if the risk came to fruition. So an example of risk acceptance is something like this. I like to give this example in my class. So you are somewhere where on the first floor you're paying $1,000 a month rent. But the landlord tells you that there's a little pond nearby and when it rains really, really hard, you might get flooded. Now the most damage you're going to get is $3,000. If you don't want to deal with the hassle, you can move up to the third floor and pay $3,000 a month. So you accept the risk because you're going to pay $12,000 a year as opposed to $36,000 a year. So you accept the risk, hoping that at the end of the year, any damages that you occur, it's not more than $36,000. Risk analysis. As you work to manage risk, you implement controls designed to mitigate those risks. There are a few key terms that you can use to describe different states of risk that you should know. The inherited risk facing organization is the original level risk that exists before implementing any controls. The residue risk is a risk that remains after organizations implements controls designed to mitigate, avoid, and or transfer the inherent risk. The organization risk appetite is the level of risk that is willing to accept as a cost of doing business, like customers not paying you. Business impact analysis, the mean time between failures, is the measure of the reliability of a system. It is the expected amount of time that would last between system failures. For example, if the mean time between failures is six months, you can expect that the system will fail once every six months on average. The mean time to repair is the average time to restore a system to all its normal operating state after a failure. The recovery time objective is the amount of time that the organization can tolerate the system being down before it is repaired. The service team is meeting expectations when the time to repair is less than the recovery time objective and the recovery point objective uh, object is the amount of objective, I'm sorry, is the amount of data their organization can tolerate loss during an outage. And 
talk about privacy, personal identifier information, includes any information that uniquely identifies individual person, including customers, employees, third parties, social security, credit card information, right, that's PII. Protected health information includes medical records maintained by healthcare providers and other organizations that are subject to HIPAA. Financial information that includes any financial records maintained by an organization, you know, there's different levels. You know, you can't walk, you know, even if you work at, let's say, Chase and Derek Jeter, who's a baseball player or used to be a baseball player, famous baseball player. Uh, you know, if he has money in Chase, you can't, you're not going to be able to type his name and find out how much money he has. You know, that's, that's different rights. Uh, government information maintained by the organization may be subject to other rules including the data classification requirements. Uh, the, there's different classifications. Um, they separated in this country between military and non-military. So for class zero, which is no damage, it's unclassified for government, computer manual, recruiting information, or public for non-government, like how many people are working on a specific project or upcoming project. Class one could be damage. Uh, for the military, it's confidential information, trade secrets. For non-government, sensitive information, profit earnings, forecast. Class two, if, it, if the secrets are revealed, it's serious damage. For the government, it's secret, like deployment plans for troops. For non-government, it's considered private work history, human resources information. Class three, which is exceptional grave damage for the government, it's top secret, spy satellite information. For non-government, it's confidential proprietary, trade secrets, right, technical uh, specification of a product. And then we have data roles and responsibilities. You have your data controllers or owners, individuals or teams who make decisions such as who has the right to access and edit data and how it's used. You have your data stewards responsible for carrying out data usage and security policies as determined through enterprise data govern governance. Data custodians and administration type role that is overseas, that, that is overseas or is related to the storage aggregation and the use of data sets and data processors, processes, processes any data that the data controller gives them. You have your information life cycle, data minimization, data controllers should limit the collection of personal information to what is directly relevant and necessary to accomplish a specific purpose. Purpose limitation, a principle that data collected for one specific purpose should not be used for a new incompatible purpose. And data retention defines the policies of persistence, data, and records management for meaning legal and business data archival requirements. And data obfuscation, uh, there's three ways, is hashing is one way, is the process of transforming any key or string of characters into another value. Tokenization, the process of replacing actual sensitive data elements with non-sensitive data elements that have no exploitable value for data security purpose. 
And data masking is the process of modifying sensitive data in such a way that is no longer of, of no or little value to an unauthorized person. So tokenization is like the last four digits of your social and data masking is just completely changing it. Like instead of getting, you know, the last four digits of somebody's social, one, two, three, four, they'll do like AFCD, which doesn't mean anything to anybody. All right. That puts a wrap on the episode. Just please remember that this Thursday, July 21st at 6 p.m. Eastern, I will be doing the A-plus questions and answer sessions. I will be doing a Network Plus and a Security Plus uh, in the near future, but I want to start off with A-plus and get the ball rolling with that. Uh, thanks for listening and look to my website, professorjra.com for the Zoom link. You can reach me at professorjrod at gmail.com. R5 Sarah. Music by Joe Cummings.